the biggest part of that diagnosis was that I had a community, right? Like you have a community of women with ADHD and you can go on and it's people who are struggling like you and you don't want, you, you want that identity. You don't want to like leave those people behind. It's so nice to have a community of people who are like, oh, Hey, you're not crazy. Welcome to the misdiagnosed podcast, where we uncover the truth about all things, mental health, from what's really causing mental illness symptoms to why the industry of psychiatry and big pharma don't seem all that interested in helping people heal. This show will get your hands dirty so you can know the truth and live free. I'm your host, Caitlin Pyle, and I've healed from multiple mental illness symptoms, including bipolar disorder, ADHD, OCD, clinical depression, extreme anxiety, and PTSD. Psychiatrists almost ruined my life, but I live to tell about it, and I'm sharing it all here on this show. Join us as we explore how to spot the lies the mental health industry tries to sell us. Welcome back to the Misdiagnosed Podcast. I'm here with a guest today. I'm really excited to be interviewing guests, and we have an interesting story of how we met. And I'm going to preserve our anonymity. And anonymity, I can't talk today. Anonymity. <laughs> Words are hard. Anonymity, because we met on Reddit. So I'm not going to tell her, tell you where we met on Reddit, what her screen name is or anything. We've been doing this over private message. But it's so cool that we met on Reddit, just like I met yeah. my interviewee on um, where did I miss my, I met Kendra, Dr. Campbell on TikTok. So I'm just meeting people all over the internet. And this is Sasha Blaze. We're going to be talking to today. If you're listening on audio, which most of you probably are, uh, Sasha is an award-winning creative director and avid gardener who lives in the remote mountains of the Catskills with her partner and three dogs by way of NYC. So does that mean that you were in NYC and then moved to the Catskills or are you just in both places or how does that work? So I grew up in Manhattan and I currently live on a mountain and I do not know how to drive. <laughs> oh, wow. We're going to get to that. I, I was rereading our messages and <laughs> I was rereading. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see us, but if you're watching on, you might be able to see us. I'm not sure, but <laughs> most people will listen. So you're, it's fine. We're beautiful today. I just want to let you know, you can see the background <laughs> and it's not raining in either location. So just, you know, we don't want to distract you with our beauty. So if you're listening at audio, I hope you enjoy <laughs> the show. Um, as much as fun as I'm having already recording it. So I was re reviewing our messages and what I had done was I posted and I was looking for people to interview. And I said, I want to know if anybody has healed from um, of mental illnesses, right? Because we get labeled with these mental illnesses and we're going to start back at the very beginning and, and how you first started experiencing symptoms, how long and whatnot. But a lot of people experience symptoms and they get labeled with this illness that they are told is never going to go away and that they have to accept lower expectations for their life. And to just, uh, I was even told by a family member, you just have to get used to mediocrity. And I was just not used to mediocrity for the entirety of my life. So that for me did not make sense. I have a little bit of a different story from some people that have had struggled with ADHD symptoms their whole life. In some ways I have, in some ways I haven't. It's just kind of all over the map. I feel like a lot of people can get diagnosed with just about anything these days, going to psychiatrists and, and how they are. We've talked about that on the show a lot. So I'm curious on what your background is with your ADHD symptoms or other symptoms that you may have experienced and where it all started for you. Yeah. So I think that I have had 
classic ADHD symptoms almost since childhood. And one of the cases who no one acknowledged that things were perhaps a struggle for me and focus was harder, but I kind of had to be the overachiever I am and managed to white knuckle my way through things without the support or acknowledgement that something might be slightly off. So it wasn't until much later in life in my late thirties that I was aware that the things that I struggle with are not typical for most people and that things do seem easier for everyone in some ways because they are. And this was what led me to my late in life diagnosis. But I would say that I've technically never graduated <laughs> from anything, even though I'm really successful, but just, you know, completing things, getting from 98% to hundred percent has always been a struggle for me. So what does, give us an example of like maybe something that you haven't finished. Uh, high school or college. <laughs> oh, so you meant that literally, like you've never graduated. I, no, I meant that literally. I actually have not graduated from either because of gym class, because of these slight things where if I found something uninteresting or not worth my time, I would not focus on them, but I would throw myself into something obsessively if I was very interested in it. So I am in advertising. I'm a creative director and I excelled in that. I was considered one of the best in my class at the time, but then secretly was failing across the board everywhere else and in kind of things that were not, you know, that didn't spark me. And I think in my day-to-day -day life, it's completely, it's very difficult for me to manage my focus and my time in a way that serves me. <laughs> And doesn't spiral out of control. And that's something that has impacted my, my personal, uh, my personal life, my mental health in that regard, because you feel like you have this deep, dark secret of, you know, all of the to-do lists and the checkboxes and the unanswered emails and the lost connections because you didn't follow through. And in my professional life, I would, you know, double down and kind of overcompensate in some ways and always balancing that line of the secret shame of the struggle that's happening behind the scenes and not letting anyone see you sweat. Mm, wow. Can I relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the misconnections and the unanswered emails, if they're not important, it's so hard yeah. to want to really answer them and Ooh, and or if yeah. you just don't feel like do you have this thing too where you overestimate how much time it's going to take to do something mm -hmm. like the dishwasher literally takes between five and seven minutes to unload but i'm like 15 minutes is way too much and i <laughs> way overestimate how long it's going to take but when i just yeah. do it and i sometimes will set a timer it's so much easier to get it done i always surprise myself so it's yeah. like you kind of overthink things and you make things bigger than they are and you can kind of hold yourself back unconsciously like we're not doing it on purpose we're just yeah. we believe that it is going to take a lot it's going to be a lot harder it's going to take a lot longer it's going to be boring we've had to figure out ways to make things more exciting like mm -hmm. to dance music in my head while i'm doing boring things to get myself yeah. to enjoy it more or i just dread it and that just creates a stress that can ultimately lead to more symptoms over time is having that constant like i want to run away like the fight or flight you get caught in yeah. that and then you're just like you're stressed and you're, that's really what ends up causing a lot of symptoms to be able mm -hmm. to manifest as, as we both know, and we'll talk about more is the stress of it. So when did things start getting really bad for you? 
I think they were always technically really bad, but I was running on sheer adrenaline. Mm. And that's what a lot of the coping mechanisms are. Like even when you're saying, oh, I put on dance music, I pump music, I pump myself up, I get going, you know, to clean, I have to play a game with myself if I have to do 20 things in 10 minutes and that adrenaline will kind of get me through. So unfortunately, and this is difficult to talk about, but I'm getting better. I lost my father during COVID unrelated. And this was after I'd started my healing journey and I had gotten lax. And in my self kind of soothing state, I think when something traumatic happens in life, you tend to kind of regress and you go to your old crutches, your old ways. And I started eating foods that did not serve me and justified it because it was fancy organic sprouted bread, even though I know wheat can be a no for me and a lot of soy and really not taking care of myself, not getting good sleep and in letting myself slip and lose the routines that I was white knuckling myself through on, things kind of started to spiral out of control in terms of my symptoms and my distractedness. And I think my bottom was a day where I had smoke coming out of my stove three times in one day. And I did not eat that day because every time I attempted to cook something for myself, I would burn it. And it was a moment of this is one, a little scary because it's not safe, even though it's, you know, from an outside perspective, it's like, oh, you burned your oatmeal or whatever it happened to be. It was oatmeal. It was beans. It was everything. Um, But from being here of like, there's smoke coming out of my home. I'm an adult woman who's right here. This shouldn't be so hard. That was when I sort of looked around at my life and how I was kind of going from meeting to meeting and just getting by and realized that my mental health was just at the bottom in terms of being able to take care of myself in a healthful way. Well, I just want to acknowledge your awareness. Like, this is amazing that you had this awareness that this has been happening or had been happening and you took some action to rectify it. But that awareness is so, I've said in the past that awareness is often curative. You don't know what's happening. You don't know that you can do something about it. Then you're kind of stuck. And what usually happens is if people go to doctors and they are told what is happening and told what they have to do about it, they hand their power away. And that doesn't lend to them having awareness of being able to do anything about it. And I've always, I've always been that kind of person who can figure stuff out and doesn't really, I mean, I can't say I've never really trusted doctors, but I grew up not going to them very Mm -hmm. often. If things weren't really bad, you know, like why go? And I think I'm glad about that because I didn't get that indoctrination that a lot of people have gotten where doctors know what's best doctors know best right but they don't and i didn't know before i started getting all these symptoms i didn't know that it was that bad i didn't know how influenced they were by the pharmaceutical industry i didn't know how little education they got on nutrition i did know how little education they had on nutrition but i didn't know anything about psychiatry I didn't Mm -hmm. know anything about mental health or mental illness specifically until I found myself with it. I didn't even know I was depressed for like two years. I was turning inward against myself. I'm like, this is happening to you because you're a bad person. Like God's punishing you. I didn't know it was an OCD like (laughs) symptom to have those intrusive, obsessive thoughts, compulsive thoughts that you did not want about 
the type of person you were like i was under persecution constantly like by myself but i thought it was god like or i thought it was satan you know just mm -hmm. torturing me because i deserved it you know i did not know that was really ocd and i have all these scars on my arms from picking at myself didn't know that was ocd i was just like i'm just a shitty person you know that's just what had happened but i also knew that what the doctors were saying was wrong was also wrong i was like there's mm -hmm. no i went through my life without these symptoms and nobody's really able to say as concretely as the medical medium did, yeah. this is what's happening. This is why you're not getting answers to the doctors. And I was, the first time I read it, I was like, oh my God, like I read it in one day, the first book. I know I, the brain saver, I believe it's called brain saver, his book where he talks about the obsessive thoughts loop and how brain signals are just kind of circling back and back felt like someone was telling me about every morning of my life of being unable to leave the house, which has just been a a reality for me, even when I was little through adulthood, getting ready to school, didn't want to go to elementary school because I'd have some sort of negative thought in my head that I could not let go of. That was so true and so real to me. And, and, you know, what you think is, oh, typical run of the mill insecurity or whatever it may be. And you justify it away is not. And something actually fit, knowing something physical was happening in your mind that has a true root cause was such a relief to read it there. And also a sad moment of self-awareness of all of those times of thinking of little Sasha and teen Sasha and Sasha in her twenties, just struggling in those loops and you struggling in those loops of being trapped in this thought. And you actually are physically trapped in a thought with such a revelation to read on paper that it's not something that you manifest. Yeah. That it, yeah, all the times Anthony says that that it's not your fault, you didn't manifest it, you're not doing it to yourself. There's things that you don't know about that people haven't told you that you're just simply unaware of. And that awareness is so, so critical to have the awareness that there are things underneath the surface that are causing the symptoms and the symptoms don't just appear out of nowhere. And that's the most mm -hmm. ridiculous thing. Yeah. That I think is about psychiatry it is the most ridiculous thing that they will tell you that mental illness cannot be cured it can only be managed but they also tell you they don't know what causes it so how can you know that there's no cure if you don't really know what causes it and i think they do know but they're not putting research towards figuring things out they're only putting money towards researching finding new pills so they can make money off right. of it if you can't, yeah. you can't make money off of telling people to drink celery juice or the heavy metal detox smoothie or in five minutes before we came on, I was picking heavy metal detox smoothie out of my teeth because it's just you know, <laughs> my life now. <laughs> the blueberries in my teeth. And so it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous that this, but I feel like I also had to go through it mm -hmm. to be able to be where I am now and still on my healing journey. I was definitely in burnout. Like I read, we're on in this show, we go, we've been going chapter by chapter through Brain Saver and we're not very far yet, but we're getting there. We're in part two now, finally. Um, talking about, we talked about burnout. We have a couple episodes on, on burnout and it takes between three and five years to really heal from that. And I'm only in year two. I feel like with the medical medium information, I'm accelerating that, but sometimes I forget because I still like struggle with the ADHD symptoms from time to time where, yeah, I burn my oatmeal because I think I got to go do something else or forget I'm cooking oatmeal all together and I'm in my room organizing and at least I'm organizing. Like I can see I've made progress, <laughs> but I know that I'm not a hundred percent there yet. And I have to remind myself of that. I'm like, well, I know I'm not going back to where I was. Right. But you're, you're right. When something traumatic happens, it can make it, that's what triggered my symptoms to begin with. It was the most stressful situation and getting 
divorced unexpectedly. Um, I mean, I kind of saw it coming, but I also didn't think that it was going to happen to me. And I didn't know how to react to it. And that stress of a loss of any kind, whether it's a parent or a spouse, even if you really didn't like him, you know, I was on birth <laughs> control when I got married and I wasn't even really attracted to him. And oh no, one of those blessing in disguise things. Yeah. No, it was just still like traumatic. And what I did not know and what I am harping on all the time on this show is that the immune system is downgraded when you are stressed out and that immune system the wall think of it as like the the castle gates and they're lowering the the gate right the more stressed you are it allows more enemies to come in and that's exactly what happened to me and that's what causes our symptoms and if we are eating junk food which i was eating taco bell and pizza hut like all the time and not not aware i mean i i knew that nutrition mattered but i was just like no like not when your brain's not working properly you can't think properly you're not having the right thoughts about nutrition how it can really make a difference and how that is contributing to your symptoms and i just because i was so caught in that thought loop and belief about myself i wasn't taking the steps because i did not believe it would make a difference based on everything that i read online and there's I can't believe it took me as long as I did to stumble across the medical medium information. A friend gave me the book just out of the blue and said, you'll love this after I'd been put on progesterone and thyroid mm -hmm. medication last year in March. And I was like, oh, this is finally the answer. You know, and I was like, get, just getting further along in that loop that Anthony talks about of these different remedies to the situation that are just keeping us sick, right? So I'm curious on what other remedies or steps did you take before you got into medical medium that worked or didn't work or medications, things like that? Yeah, 100%. I would say that health has been a lifelong passion for me because what you were speaking earlier about doctors, you know, never going to them or trusting them. I kind of grew up with that dichotomy of my father was Slovene and kind of old world and old world things and untrust, you know, we didn't trust doctors and, you know, would put garlic in my ear if I had an ear infection. And my mother is very American. Doctors know the best way. You go to the doctor, you listen to the doctor. You don't need to do research because they know. And so seeing those two sides, I grew up very critical. I ask a lot of questions. I'm a very naturally curious person. And so I was always trying to investigate the better way or, you know, I think I always trusted that my body knew more than people, I, you know, telling people you are the most beautiful, complex machine that we can't even comprehend of our own complexity. And the fact that something that has evolved so perfectly could be wrong is, it, it, it's just, it never sat right with me. So but I do, before I get back to health, want to touch on what you just said, because it's so true. I think particularly for women, when you were saying a huge emotional trigger, like your divorce, I'm so sorry, but sounds like, woohoo, good for you, girl. Things are better now. <laughs> uh, things look great. I have to say. Um, but the, uh, it's something that we have to fight every single month when we go through our cycle is our immune system drops. And we are not taught that from an early age. And even this past, I am going to get my period at some point today. <laughs> and even this week, I was like, oh dear, like my immune system is, is tanking right now. I started uh, my fever. I have an aura ring, which I highly recommend, but my Ooh, fever, cool. we can talk about that later, but the, my fever, I could see my temperature slightly going up 
And Friday night, I was just out. I, you know, when you go from zero to a hundred of not feeling well, where I was suddenly laid up in bed with zero energy to even speak and my temperature spiked. And thankfully I knew the, the protocols for, you know, knowing to take zinc, knowing how to take C, knowing to take a uh, golden yellow, golden, golden, golden seal, seal. Golden mm-hmm. seal. Golden, like, yellow gold. bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I always want to call it golden claw. Cause it's very, it, I hate the flavor. Um, and here I am right as rain, but it's something that every month we kind of, as a woman are told like, Oh, you know, indulge yourself, eat all the unhealthy foods, you know, do what doesn't serve you at a time when you're already kind of your immune system is weak and we don't give ourselves the respect and the space that we need. We might push ourselves to overcompensate, like overcompensate and push ourselves. And so many women find themselves struggling every month and they kind of get beaten down. And by the time they work themselves back up, their immune system starts slowing again. And they're like in this cycle of always just playing catch up. And it's so hard to watch. And it's something that we just don't educate ourselves on or girls on. Um, it, it's sad. So side note, <laughs> a bit of a bummer, but health- yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Health wise. I, I would say I tried everything. I went through most of my life as a vegetarian. So I was already eating against the norm. And I think just experiencing that is very difficult in society. Anytime you're eating a diet that does not look like someone's next to you, you you're immediately put under a defensive level of criticism. (laughs) Why are you eating that? Why, Why aren't you eating what I'm eating? Uh, you know, kind of, I dare you to tell me why what I'm eating is wrong, even though you don't necessarily want to speak to it yourself. So just being in that world of being a vegetarian from a young age, I was used to that. So that made me more open to kind of following whatever new diet advice I thought might serve me and not caring if it went against the grain. So after being a vegetarian for years, I was really struggling in my twenties with bloat that made me look eight months pregnant and actually gave me diastasis recti, like a pregnant woman, the level of bloat that I experienced, which I, you know, will be struggling now for the rest of my life to (laughs) get my stomach flat. But the, the acne and the bloat that I went through in my twenties was almost debilitating, like so painful to be able to stand and go through your day with that in your midsection. And I realized I needed to change. And the first path that I went on was deciding, oh, as most people do when they're not eating meat, I have to start eating meat. I need to do this new thing that I just heard about taking off called being paleo. Mm. So. <laughs> Yes. So that find that they ate plants back then because they have disintegrated and not been fossilized. So they find all these animal bones. I think that's (laughs) everything they eat. And that's just, it's completely flawed. It's flawed. Yeah. Well, there was, I mean, there is some truth to it because you are avoiding you are you are avoiding gluten. You are avoiding a lot of you're avoiding processed foods. So dairy too, right? Yeah, and you're avoiding dairy. So people do start feeling better when they switch because suddenly you're you're going on this huge transformation. So I was eating, you know, canned vegetarian chili and 
I was probably eating like vegetarian chicken nuggets. I don't, it's hard for me to imagine myself eating a morning star farm, but like, I remember what that package looked like. So I probably mm-hmm. was. I was too. I mean, yeah. I can totally relate. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was definitely a noticeable shift in how I felt when I went from eating that kind of stand, standard American vegetarian diet, I'll call it, to being really conscious of the source of what I was putting in my body and making it as clean as possible. That's when I really learned to read ingredient labels. So it was not a very ill-advised path, but it was not the true, <laughs> the true path. And that period lasted for approximately five years. And that is when we got into the keto, <laughs> which I think was the, the nail in the coffin for my health in terms of making the switch to just running on pure adrenaline to get by from day to day. I don't realize that that's what's happening either is that they feel so much better on keto because they're running on adrenaline. Your brain doesn't have any glucose. (laughs) You're high. You're high. high. Your body is like drugging you into like some sort of, it's like, it's laughing gas, but internal in a way, like you're just, you're, you're jazzed up all the time. I look back at myself like dancing on my balancing standing desk (laughs) at like 8am in the morning after not sleeping, after eating a mason jar of caco nibs and coconut and raspberries and cocoa powder, like so jazzed up on caffeine, you know, someone who quote, doesn't drink coffee because I don't do caffeine eating so much cacao. Uh, at the same time that this was happening, I got a copper IUD. Ooh, yes! I almost got one of those. So I'm curious about this too, oh, especially man. as relates to like our, our cycles. And I mean, when I got divorced, I was on birth control again, cause I still didn't know, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just messed up. I was on hormonal birth control in my twenties and it was a disaster for me. I tried many different kinds and, you know, I did the rings, I did the things and I'm in advertising. So I have worked on birth control from the outside too. I've worked on a lot of things from the, from that kind of perspective. So when you talk about paying for studies and needing this, like, you know, I will work on PR projects and try to come up with in fun ways, not necessarily like in nefarious ways, but in fun ways, what's a great study that we can do to have something to talk about. And I understand how these things happen behind the curtain and have always gone above and beyond to use my power for good (laughs) whenever I have any. So I feel comfortable talking about it in that way, but there's plenty of people who don't. (laughs) And the copper IUD is you know, targeted to people like you and I who are conscious, like conscious of pharmaceuticals, perhaps not serving us and serving a profit and really was not presented with the fact that copper itself is terrible for many women's bodies because of estrogen bonding to it, making us take more of it in. I was 100% naive And I was so lucky because I only had it in for a little over a year and I developed copper toxicity and I'm still, you know, still working on getting it all out. But the one good thing that came of the copper IUD and metal, my metal awareness, I'll call it, is that that is what led me to discover the medical medium because it was the only 
space that was really addressing heavy metals head on in a way to remove them from your body, but also acknowledging how evil and detrimental they are when they're in there. And so in that way, the copper IUD was a blessing because I would have never found out without it, but it was such a cyclical level of copper addiction that happened. And I discovered this whole little world that was vocal in its own way of women who had had their lives kind of destroyed. They were blaming the copper. And I think, you know, in many ways, a lot of it was typical sort of pre-medical medium awareness of just not knowing what their symptoms were, but having a transformative change in their lives when they had it removed. Mm-hmm. And, and like recognizing symptoms that they had just been told were in their heads or that you're crazy or you're doing it to yourself. Or if you were just more positive or, you know, do these affirmations every day. And then are you doing, you know, <laughs> five minutes of mindfulness went a long way with me. Like, why aren't they working for you? So, oh, copper, the, the thing about copper toxicity, which is true. I'm not sure if it's true of other, other metals is that it is addictive and that you do start craving more copper. I found that in my research, all of the foods I wanted to eat were very high copper foods because copper exists in natural ways. I know it's not, it's not the bad form of copper when you're getting it from a natural food, but what you're doing is that copper and zinc act in unison in your body and foods that tend to be high in copper tend to be low in zinc. And so you start taste zinc foods, high zinc foods start tasting like disgusting to you. You just want more of that copper. It's very strange. And so what foods were you eating? And then what foods? Well, like, like, like avocado, cacao, all of these things are very high in copper and they started t- tasting delicious to me. And then any sort of food that has any sort of like vegetables started getting left behind. Like I just started the take the flavor of them, like the sweetness of them, like wasn't coming through. And I was severely zinc deficient and I was very high adrenalized. And at this point in my life, there was just a, I had a near death experience. My life started falling apart. My nails all stopped growing. Some of them fell out. I lost half of my hair. Like there was this very rapid decline of me feeling and looking you know, on top of the world. I have so much energy. I'm looking really fit. I'm excelling in everything to like a switch getting flipped and everything just slowly crumbling and falling apart over the span of two months, three months. It was terrible. (laughs) What happened? Did you end up in the hospital at any point or did you ever go to a psychiatrist? Thank God. No. No, I, I am new like, enough. Like at I'm that point, incredibly, yeah, I was incredibly distrustful of doctors and I was going to a lot of holistic practitioners. I found this woman who was Russian, who had a very Russian practice and I can't remember her name or what it was called, uh, but it was in the middle of deep, deep Brooklyn And we had to travel, you know, by car for a couple hours, which in the city, if you have to take a car to get somewhere and you can't take public transportation is means you're going off the beaten path. She did a lot of kind of body scans on me. I started a colonics with her and she was really helpful. A lot of research, a lot of book reading and having my hair tested, sending things out to labs. New York state has a lot of regulations on hair testing, blood testing, things like that. It's really hard to do it yourself, but 
other like pencil, you can send stuff to Pennsylvania. You know, if there are, there are ways I think to take control back in some ways and things like that are one of them. I found a really good doctor who was, I was living in in Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the time, which has a large kind of Eastern European and Polish population. And I found a lovely Polish doctor and he was very laid back. And in the past, this hadn't served me because he would be like, oh, you need Xanax? Okay. And, you know, and kind of write you a prescription. But in the, in this period of my life, he did serve me because he would give me when you go in to get your blood tested between a doctor and a clinic, the doctor fills out a form and checks the things that he wants you to have tested. And doctors will act as gatekeepers with a lot of this testing and they will use their, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to say like that they're being evil, but they will use their power. It is a way for them to feel like they're in control to decide what is going to get checked and what is not going to get checked. And this doctor would literally just give me that paper and be like, here you go, fill it out and bring it to the lab and then just like sign the bottom. So I would get to check what I wanted tested in my blood. So through basically self-doctoring, I was able to find the answers. And then that led me towards medical medium and the rest is kind of history. I would say that I did what I think most people do when they're very sick is that they take the books and they skim them for the chapters that apply to them. And then they hone in on those chapters and they focus their energy there and they don't see the whole picture. They don't look at it, the system holistically. And so I have been doing medical medium now for more than five years, almost six, but the first handful of those years were me doing quote medical medium. And I see it a lot on Reddit and a lot of the communities where people come in, you know, being like, oh, but I'm doing this and nothing's changing. And the answers are like, well, have you done X, Y, Z? And it's a huge part of the program. Like for example, the amounts of daily celery juice and respecting it and waking up and hydration and the meditations and, you know, respecting your adrenals and snacking throughout the day, these little steps. Uh, but I was very focused on that heavy metal smoothie, right? Like the heavy metal smoothie was the answer. So that was what I learned. And I was obsessed with that for a couple of years, but it made such a difference in my life. Uh, and it still does that heavy metal smoothie. If you're listening to this, and you're struggling and you're like, I can add one thing to my day that happens to be delicious. Make it be the heavy metal smoothie because we are exposed every day without knowing it to so many metals. And it is a constant fight that we have to, to protect our, our minds, to protect our brains and our bodies. That's like the wildest thing too. I mean, when we're told, oh, it's all in your head, it kind of literally is, especially when it comes to like ADHD <laughs> and autism symptoms because it's the metals that are lodged in the brain. And the same thing with, I got diagnosed with bipolar six times and I was forced into the hospital uh, four times. And so I didn't, but I didn't know what I didn't know at that point to know that what I was doing was contributing to it. And I was smoking a lot of pot, which was heating up mm -hmm. the metals in my brain, which was causing an emotional firestorm that was causing the mania that was causing the psychosis, just that crisis mode and running on adrenaline because I wasn't sleeping and everything was creating a storm. And a lot of people think that have been told that ADHD symptoms are genetic. We are, have been told over and over that bipolar is genetic. 
And because that's what we're told. And as Anthony reveals in the books, it makes so much more sense to understand that hereditary is different than genetic. We can inherit toxins. We can inherit metals. That's how we end up with metal in our brain. Um, both of my grandparents on my mom's side had Alzheimer's, which is also related to metals oxidizing in the brain and causing like what the plaque is, right? It's actually oxidized metals. And yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible that we've been sold this lie about our genes being against us. And especially because they, it's just such an easy way to sell us a problem, an easy way to sell us a solution by selling us the problem is us that we can't do anything about it if it's in our genes, right? We're just stuck with it. And so we have to take the medication, but to understand that our brains have stuff in them that isn't supposed to be there because we're taking in so much that we're not supposed to like there's just so much poison in food there's poison in our skies there's poison in our yard fertilizers there's poison everywhere and i was in such denial you we were talking about metal awareness and i wrote that down because i'm like i want to co come back to this and we were also talking about morning star farms and i think like all that kind of stuff is related this industrial food industry when i learned about i was in such denial for so long that, that gluten was a thing that but it's not necessarily the gluten or the wheat, but it's the glyphosate that gets sprayed on the wheat that our bodies then take in and don't recognize it as food. And of course, the gluten or the wheat gets blamed. But if you eat like a pizza from Italy, people have gone to Italy and eat nothing but pizza for like three weeks. And yeah, they walked a lot, but they lost a bunch of weight because the food, and they're not bloated either because the food is different there. And... I was in denial a lot about the heavy metals being any, I was like, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory, you know? And now I'm like, I wouldn't say I'm big into conspiracy theories, but I know they're not all lies. Like I do not trust the government. They are not here to protect us. The US is a corporation and the economy is about their corporation. It's not about us at all. Mm -hmm. We're of course affected by the economy slash corporation because we're so, so many of us are controlled by a corporation, right? And they treat us like little corporations and we're paying our, T-A-X-E-S is like mm -hmm. to, our, to the, to the mafia that it is, but I didn't, you just don't, when you don't know what you don't know, you start believing anything that somebody in a position of authority is telling you. So when a doctor is like, well, you're just going to have to adjust your expectations for your life and understand that this is a genetic thing. A lot of women in their thirties get this. And there's this whole thing in the ADHD community that I was a part of for quite some time. And I didn't know that, that it wasn't, that, that what was really causing it that, oh, a lot of women are just late diagnosed and because they're late diagnosed, their symptoms just get worse and worse. And no, they don't like, we just get like our immune systems get worse. We have more metals in our brain. We have more stress that's creating that heat in our brain. Like when I read the chapters about the heat in the brain and the metals and how they can cause ADHD symptoms and cause bipolar symptoms and um, your thyroid can be affected like mine was because my adrenals are affected. It's all, and you're, so you're so right when you say you have to look at the whole picture and not just hone in. And I've given the books to people and I'm like, I can't read all this. I'm just going to read the one chapter. And I say, well, if that's all you can read, that's great. But reading the whole thing, I've read every single one of the books, some of them more than once that I'm, I need to, I'm bringing them all in my van with me when I go, I'm like, I know there are a lot of books, but I'm bringing them anyway because I've gone back and I want to reread the thyroid chapters on the secrets of sleep, because I think I didn't understand like sleep, like sleeping between 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. and 2 p.m. Like those are your most healing hours. And there's the different things you can do to 
just bring your body back into balance because ultimately that's what health is, is your body and your systems are in balance and anything that's in your brain, that's not supposed to be there. Anything that's in your gut, that's not supposed to be there. That anything in your uterus, that's not supposed to be there. All that's creating imbalance. And one of the things that um, Dr. Campbell had said when I was talking to her was that, because we've talked about birth control quite a bit, is the first thing that she asks when a patient comes to see her and is experiencing symptoms or wants to get off meds or whatever the issue is, is she asks them if they're on birth control because birth control, those artificial hormones or even like bioidentical hormones, like I got put on can be a source can contribute to mental illness symptoms in ways that people don't understand. And somebody said once that recently that I remember probably on TikTok or something that I really resonated with. And I just was like nodding heavily to it that birth control pills are going to be the cigarettes of our generation. So fast forward 20 years, we're going to look back and like, I can't believe we we're all doing it. We all thought it was healthy and our doctors are putting us on it just like cigarettes back in what the 50s, 60s, when they were having like advertising and you being in advertising, you know, like how they yeah. advertise cigarettes and having you know, doctors smoke camels or whatever, and just what we don't know and how in denial we can be because our mainstream media and our mainstream medicine doesn't, is so behind, right? And learning that right. our blood tests are archaic and there's nothing that can detect Epstein-Barr virus. That's when it's not in your bloodstream, but that doesn't mean it's not there. You know, I had like antibodies off the charts and they're like, yeah, you don't have an active virus. I'm like, well, why do I have that many antibodies? Like what if it's someplace else? And they just don't know. So learning and becoming your own doctor. And that's so awesome. You had that doctor that was able to just like give you the blank form and, and get all these tests done. But you have to become your own doctor. They don't know, they don't, number one, they don't care about you as much as you need to care about you. And when I work with coaching clients, I always ask like, who's the most important person in your life? And sometimes they get the answer right off the bat and they say me, right? Because we've had a conversation and they, they, they know what the right answer is, but sometimes they'll be like, oh, my kids definitely are like my husband or my mom or my dad. I'm like, mm, nope, try again. Like it has to be you. Like you have to be the most important person in your life and you have to be willing to, to step outside what you've been told because we have this inner wisdom that is, I think, drawing the resources, drawing the people towards us that we need. And I mean, I almost didn't read the medical medium book because I used to be the kind of person who, if somebody recommended something to me, I'm like, eh, like that probably worked for you, but it's probably the same old crap, whatever. But since something inside, like that intuition was like, read it, you know, what do you got to lose? I was sitting on the couch, it's five o'clock at night. And and then I was just like pulled in. I was like, this is, I just knew it was real. And it gets a lot of flack, I'm sure you know, because of the spiritual aspect of it. But we are spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. The fact that that isn't included in our medical system is the reason largely that none of it works, right? And they people, it's so crazy how people trust medicine so much, yet there's more sick people than ever. Yeah. Why do they trust medicine? It and medicine is wrong every 10 years too. Yeah. It's ever saw so like, oh, whoops. <laughs> that thing that we were telling you is amazing is killing you. One sec, one sec. Here's the new thing. Here's the new thing. This one's great. Don't trust us. I think that intuition aspect is something that is so true. And so many people do not trust themselves and trust to recognize what is serving them. And also what we need to remember is that the doctor's have to have a license and they're, they don't get to decide why or why they get that license or why they don't get that license or what their practice is. It's very complicated. I have, you know, health has always been a passion of mine and I wanted to go to medical school. 
when I originally, I'm now freelance, I work for myself. And when I made that transition, I thought maybe this is a time I'll go back to I'll get my, get, get my gym credits done to get to graduate college. And I will, I'll go to, to med school because science and math has always just been easy for me. It just has always been my calling in that way. And that I didn't struggle. So I was like, let's do this. And then I started looking at what you have to do and what you cannot do. And I realized that I could in no good faith, get a lot, get a license. I could not do this. My sister's actually in medical school right now going through that process. And I'm watching her learn and what she has to learn and what she has to ignore. And it's really difficult. And then when you even get into holistic medicine and naturopathic medicine and those kinds of licenses, which are, you know, not making you any money, not recognized in every state, people who kind of go down that journey, you still have a lot of regulations and a lot of things you can and can't say. Even Anthony in his speaking has to be very cautious about what he says and what he can tell people and what he can or can't quote diagnose because they will come after you. So there, no one, you know, the inability to serve us comes because they are doctors are part of the system. It's not like back in the day where your neighborhood doctor would pull up on his horse and like come inside and be like, okay, let me do the best I can for you. They might be going home at night and weeping because they have patients they want to help that they know that they cannot as a doctor. So that's, that's really sad. I want to do, I do want to touch on birth control while we're here to come up because this is something that I have struggled with from the internal side of working on birth control behind the scenes. And one of the products that I was working on was the female condom and looking at, you know, the birth control pill is obviously the competition in that regard. And you start reading the research and those hormones are terrible for you. There's heavy metals in the pills. There's a lot that they're doing to your body, but they're also not very effective. And we take for granted that the pill is the be all end all. And there are more than a million babies born every year to mothers who were on birth control who were on the pill, who did not want those babies, who thought they were doing everything right. When you look at the lives that are destroyed financially, the paths of women having to take on this burden because they were taught that this birth control pill is the be all end all and there's no other option and you're doing everything right is horrifying because not only do they find themselves growing sick, but the one thing, the one thing they were counting on it to do for them, it does not do. So it's really sad. And that's, that's something that I'm, I'm constantly out there. I think particularly like on Reddit, on discord, when I see young girls kind of struggling with birth control or young boys, you know, wanting their girlfriends to get on the pill so they can have unprotected sex. It's like, guys, no, like you need to use a condom. Don't trust this pill. It's not the easy answer. It's going to cause more pain and more risk in your life than good. And it's something that I don't think that is discussed enough and that people don't really realize they take that little wheel so seriously. Yeah. Plus it changes who you're attracted to and who's attracted to you. It changes <laughs> your pheromones, which the jury is still out. Animals have pheromones. We have pheromones. We are yeah. animals like at our very core. We are organisms. Why are there people who question that we have pheromones? Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, like, no. question adrenal <laughs> fatigue too. They're like, it's not real. Uh, adrenal fatigue is just like, um, there's no science, blah, blah, blah. There isn't science because they haven't studied it. They're just too busy saying it's not real because if they knew, I mean, like what Anthony talks about in so many of the books, if people knew the 
the cause of the problems. Like if we, if they knew the adrenaline, like for example, the coffee industry, there's money, there's so yeah. much money in coffee. There's so much money in caffeine that they, like when I found out they put caffeine and we're, we haven't done the caffeine episode. I keep talking about it on the show, but I'm like, we're going to get to the caffeine episode. They put caffeine in pharmaceutical drugs to give the illusion that they are working because people start feeling better because they're taking caffeine. <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. Um, so there's money and there's like a medical mafia. I feel like that's a good title for a book. Um, mm-hmm. the medical mafia. Oh yeah. They'll definitely let you publish that. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It would totally be silence. Like for a while it was hard to find the end of mental illness by Daniel Amen, which was one of the first books that I read. It was in January of last year that really changed everything for me when I started realizing, I mean, I've had that, had that book for two years. I was depressed and I went and got my brain scan out of his clinic in March of 2021. I spent like most of 2021 suicidal because I didn't believe that anything in that book was going to help me. But then I read it and it did. I was like, holy shit, like this is, (laughs) but I mean, not everything is like, um, right, but there's a lot that is. And so it got me on the path. So that's why I still talk about it. I'm like, it doesn't matter if you want to read all the medical medium books, like read at least this one, because it tells you that there is the end, like there, you can end mental illness. It's not permanent. And that's what's so dumb about it. I just, about mental illness and the, the industry behind it is that they teach us people start identifying with their illness. They're like, I am bipolar. I am ADHD. I have ADHD. Like they have it forever and they believe they have to have it forever. And that the only thing I can do is take Adderall or take uh, antipsychotics, which talk to me in 40 years. If you think you're going to take antipsychotics, your brain is not going to be functioning in 40 years properly. If you take antipsychotics for that long and they get put on all these different drugs, there's metals in antipsychotics too. So, and, and, and I don't know why I don't, I guess it's just a preservative or whatever, because like they're not going to corrode or not corrode, but not going to mold or something. <laughs> the organic compounds, there's no organic compounds in there though. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why they put metals in the drugs to begin with. I know? believe the mercury feeds. So I'm, I'm not sure. I think when aluminum. they, did, they put aluminum in aluminum mercury, yeah. researched. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it might be in the manufacturing process. Mm. It might just be a reaction, but I think metals are very, like they help, you know, and I think they help accelerate processes or slow them down. Or, I mean, I, I hope it's not just nefarious. I hope it's not just like throw it in there, folks, <laughs> like a little Reynolds, a little sprinkle Reynolds over there. I can't even know these days. Cause even if they don't yeah. do it, like, I'm like consciously nefariously, there's still like that classified medical industry that yeah, exactly. That I learned about from Anthony too. Like there's the people mm-hmm. that will not tell the front facing doctors. They won't tell. There's just, there's people that know on the back in the background yeah. And yeah. And I wanted to circle back to when we were talking about copper and craving copper, you mm-hmm. reminded me of how Anthony says that the viruses that are in our bodies that can invade when our immune systems are down can send out signals to make you eat more of the thing mm-hmm. that they want. So that's why mm-hmm. we have our cravings. And as we Very. go along and destroy the virus or at least get it down into submission, right? I think he was saying you can't ever really get rid of it. Like you can't ever really get a EBV, HPV, like any of these viruses, but you can get them down into sub, like to subdue them to like less than 10% instead of like just going wild by starving them. And then they mm-hmm. just like leave you the F alone and not take over your whole body and take over your whole life. And and they don't send out that because they just have a free frequency. And the main, a big myth that it floats around a lot is that viruses aren't technically alive. They are alive. They can grow, they can eat, they can consume things, they can 
shit things out into our system, <laughs> create neurotoxins and dermatoxins that cause all these illnesses, they are alive. And otherwise, how how can something mutate, like, right? How could COVID mutate if it wasn't alive in some way? So there's just so much misinformation out there, but because a man in a white coat is saying it, like a white man in a white coat, um, <laughs> a white man in a white coat. With like, white hair, yeah, all white. With white hair, they look like a figure that we've been trained to trust. We've been brainwashed. And that's the next section in the brain saver book that the show is going to cover is the brainwashing mm-hmm. that we've all been subjected to. I mean, believing that Morningstar Farms products are healthy. I used to eat those too. I was a vegetarian for, um, gosh, since 2009, I was a meat eater. I ate a bunch of junk food all the time when I was a little kid. And growing up, I was told that calories in calories out right and i posted recently about my i had gained because i've gained 20 pounds on my healing journey and i didn't know that there was like a process to that right and that there's a reason um and very similar to what we experience when we talk about getting sick and eating a vegetarian diet right everybody's like oh well if you just ate meat that wouldn't happen that's not true, <laughs> that's <laughs> not true. i did eat meat again for a little while and then, yeah, the problems just kind of seem to come back. And I think it does accelerate weight gain too, because that fat in the liver is, I mean, your liver is trying to detox you. And if you're putting fat into your body, which is what the liver is meant to like filter out and clean or whatever. And of course it gets into your bloodstream and it makes things, it makes harder, it harder for nutrients to get into your cells when you're trying to heal, it just makes the whole process a lot harder. Uh, where was I going with that? Um, Anyway, I ate all that junk food and I thought, oh, I'm vegetarian. Like, it's just easier to be healthy like this. And but I was eating a lot of what Anthony calls like the no foods, the troublemakers. And I had a lot of bloating, too, to the point sometimes where I couldn't even stand up and because it was just too painful. And I didn't look pregnant very often, but I was like constantly in this, like, I just thought it was anxiety and there is anxiety with it because it's like infecting my nerves or affecting my nerves. So there's so much, there's so, it's all like, you don't just have anxiety. You've got some kind of like nerve thing going on and that's why you're feeling the anxiety and there's viruses that are involved in that. And people just think, oh, I just have generalized anxiety disorder. Let me take Xanax for the next, you know, 20 years excuse me, I was on, I was on Xanax for like a year and a half and, um, you're not supposed to be on it for longer than like six weeks or whatever, but really you're not supposed to be on it at all. (laughs) Not, and I still have my, have you ever taken, um, Adderall or anything like that? Yeah. So I, after my, I divorced my first husband, I took Xanax to, to cope with that. And then after the day of burning, almost burning the house down multiple times in a row and putting everyone in danger, I was put on Adderall. And that was a very unfortunate spiral of my symptoms getting worse and worse. I am technically what's thought of as like a severe ADHD reaction to Adderall and that uh, you know, typically they understand if someone's ADHD, if like, you know, kids take Adderall as like a a recreational drug and it gives them energy and makes them happy. And people who have quote ADHD take Adderall and it calms you down and has the opposite effect. So I was, my doctor had never had a patient who could actually, I would had a nighttime Adderall prescription to take Adderall to go to sleep. 
Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Um, not, not the typical reaction, but it would calm me down and I could take very, so I went on to a very high dose of taking it every about hour and a half, every two hours throughout the day of kind of taking little hits of this pill. And the effects were immediate in that my brain was calm. I was calm. I was like, this is incredible. This is what I've needed my whole life. This is the answer. Um, you know, it was the first, uh, in, years, I had gotten to a point in my health journey where I wouldn't even take a Tylenol or an Advil. So to take a pharmaceutical was a very big step for me. And, oh, I'm failing. Something I'm doing is wrong. It is me. I am the problem. I need, I need this, this interference from the outside world, kind of telling me what to do and telling me what to take. And the, the thing, uh, particularly for women about any sort of pharmaceuticals is that our cycle impacts our like me- metabolic rate of how quickly we metabolize these drugs. So when the Adderall was working, I was fine. I was taking it the second, you know, you take it. The, it's so when you say it, it, it kind of gives you chills, but you know, you have it by your bed and then you take it before you wake up and then maybe go back to sleep so that when you wake up, the drugs kicked in so that you're never awake without this in your system. And then I would, you know, go through the day. And then at the end of the day, take my Adderall prescription at night. So I was always on this drug and doing great. My brain slowed down. I could focus. However, the second it became that time of the month, suddenly my body was metabolizing the Adderall so quickly. So I would take a pill and it would only last for say five minutes. If even at all, you know, I could take pill after pill after pill after pill and my body would just suck it right up. So suddenly my period would be coming and I would not have this drug in my system and I would be a complete mess. And at first I was like, oh, wow, now that I know how good the Adderall is working, I can see how horrible I am when it's not working. And then after a few months, I'm like, this horrible is more horrible than the last horrible is, am I getting worse? Is this, is something contributing to this? And you start questioning to yourself because you, you, I thought it was me and it was just me not on the drugs. And it took months for me to realize like, I am getting significantly worse by taking this drug. And part of me does fully believe that it was the metals I was ingesting every single day from these constant popping of pills. This is during the whole Adderall shortage where you would have to go to different pharmacies where I was getting pills that were different colors or with different labels. And you start to realize you have no idea what is in this bottle. You just have to blindly trust that, oh, because it's in a, it's a fancy little blue pill that's in a cute little shape. And because it's coming in that, that bottle, that orange bottle, we treat it like God, like, oh, we don't have to question what's in there. We got a prescription. If we get a prescription, that's the ticket. That means all is well and good. You have no idea what is coming in those pills. You have no idea what the manufacturing process is. Did they open up some old factory that month to get by? Was the equipment dirty? Were one of the chemicals old? Were they rushing the process? You don't know. Things, pills were tasting different. People were having different reactions. They were talking about it. The media was trying to cover it and they would immediately get squashed and, and saying that it was in everybody's head. So who knows what I was ingesting during this period. But I had those monthly resets of my medication not working and was able to see the real me behind the scenes during those periods. And the real me was not 
was not doing well. And that was when I had my, what's the expression coming to Jesus, but it was coming to coming to medical medium. And I started listening to all of the books on repeat. And I love, I don't know if you've listened to the audiobooks. Mm-mm, but I think I should probably get them, especially when I'm traveling in the van. Should. I do listen to this podcast a lot, though, just to keep myself like mindful because I'll I'll get lazy sometimes, or I'm just like, uh, like I just want to eat pizza, or like <laughs> I never have anything with oil in it or whatever. Like I love Indian food, and it's really hard to make it taste as good as yeah. like, a real Indian restaurant. But but I'm pretty like on point, but. Yeah, just I need to stay, keep in mind that dairy, that's probably the biggest one too, that I really want to stay away from. And gluten is easy. Like last time I had Indian, I just didn't get none and it was fine, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I highly recommend the audiobooks. The person, the woman who reads them, I can't remember her name, even though I hear it all the time. She's uh, British, English, and reads so slowly and so clearly. And it's so soothing. I now have gotten to the habit, which I am committed to doing. And it's helped me is that every night, part of my night routine is putting on that audiobook. So my last hour, as I'm drifting off to sleep with a timer, like as I do my nightly yoga, you know, all of my weird anti-aging, like red light stuff, <laughs> I have medical medium playing and it's such a nice reset and a reminder for the next day. And I'll even put it on in the morning sometimes instead of picking up the heavy, because the books are big and it is a lot to get through. And that also forces you to be out of control. You have to listen to what she's saying. You can't skip ahead. You can't go. I mean, you can go back and you can't skip ahead. Obviously it's just a button, but (laughs) it's easier to commit yourself to listening to all of it. And that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to re-listen to all these books and I am going to, I'm going to do it right this time. And I did, and I still am. I am on day 24 of three back-to-back three, six nines. I have been a like fat free. I, I have been vegan now for, for five years since the beginning of my journey, but I stopped eating fat a little bit more than a year ago. And I'm feeling incredible. And the day that I stopped taking my medication, I did not tell my partner because I wanted to see, I wanted to have a real test. I wanted to have that honest audience. And it was always, and I asked him to do this because it would be annoying if I didn't, but he would be like, did you remember to take your pill? Cause I'd be like, Oh babe, if you see me like losing it or, or I'm doing this or I'm forgetting this or I'm spiraling, I've probably forgotten my pill. Can you remind me? So he had this system of kind of gently <laughs> stepping into the lion's den of like this woman kind of spiraling out of control and being like, Hey, did you remember your Adderall? And I wanted to see, can I get through this? Can I get through this day without him saying anything? And I did. And then I went through the next day and it worked. And then we went a whole week and it worked. And I did not tell him for, I think more than two months. And I wanted to see, and not once in that period, whereas in the past, when I was on the drug, if I missed a pill by an hour, he would be reminding me. And here I was not on the drug at all. And I went all that time without him noticing that I needed help. That was such a moment of self-pride and still is for me that, wow, this really works. And, you know, the drugs really worked, you know, when they were working, it was like, this is amazing. It was like the golden ticket to a different kind of life. You stepped into this chocolate factory where everything was really easy. And there was all these Oompa Loompas behind the scene in your head, making things happen. 
and you think it's, you think it's the be all end all. And suddenly I was able to do it myself and I still am. And it really moments like that of seeing your own progress of seeing your own healing. And I'm sure you're going through this now, just reaffirm and make you double down and understand the commitment to like, wow, I didn't have that non, but look at what I got out of it. You know, you see the before and after. And I think the healing journey is not linear, not not linear at all. Mm -hmm. Like you said, and like, you know, there's definitely like after that first time after the copper IUD, where I was feeling amazing and looking amazing on the outside before things started to fall apart, I then put on 40 pounds and that's significant. And suddenly I was like going, I was like going on eBay and buying like my quote fat clothes. Cause I didn't want to commit. Cause I was like, this can't be forever. I'm just going to buy like a cheap, larger version of a designer that I know will work on my body until I get through this period. And that lasted for, for years before that weight started to leave. And now it's kind of, it's left my body through this process organically as I process those toxins, but it's like, can be incredibly frustrating and you kind of have setbacks. Like I was already on the quote, you know, medical medium journey when my father died and, and I, my ADHD got, went off the rail, my ADHD, I even calling it that it's funny when you were saying that symptoms returned. Yeah. Symptoms returned, but the the biggest part of that diagnosis was that I had a community, right? Like you have a community of women with ADHD and you can go on and it's people who are struggling like you and you don't want, you, you want that identity. You don't want to like leave those people behind. It's so nice to have a community of people who are like, Oh, Hey, you're not crazy. And so when you do get these diagnoses, it's kind of, it's very easy to hide behind them. They become almost like a comfort blanket because you're like, Oh, at least I have my people. I have my corner. And so that was something that was really great about it. And it's, it's even now, even to say like, oh, we have ADHD or, oh, like I was struggling with OCD. Like we use these expressions because those became part of our identity, even though it's like saying, oh, I have kalabalaga and, oh, I have duty to la da da. Like they're just made up terms. And we just take them as face value and start becoming part of who we are. And they don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they don't. It's the symptoms that are real, but yeah. the actual disease. The symptoms are. You can't look at your brain and be like, "Ooh, there's bipolar. There's ADHD." Like you can't even see the metals that mm-hmm. are in there. They're so like nano microscopic. We don't have technology to be able to see them. Um, yeah. Luckily, we have like hair tests and stuff. Um, and it's encouraging to know that you put on weight and lost it. I'm currently like mm-hmm. just beginning the losing phase. I'm down two pounds um, in a month, less than a month, which I feel like that's healthy. That's sustainable. And yeah. I've gotten more. I'm actually taking a break from celery juice. I just wanted to see what would happen, but I wanted to get back on it. I was doing get this- back on it. <laughs> Cucumber juice for a while. Um, Cause I was doing 32 ounces every day mm-hmm. for like a year and I think I can tell the difference when I'm not on it. Um, I think my skin has dried out a little bit, so I'm going to get back into it. Being in the van, it's going to be a little difficult, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, yeah, it won't be that difficult. I mean, you know, it's the water. Cause like I have a 32 gallon water tank and having mm-hmm. to rinse out the juicer takes so much water. Mm-hmm. That it's just wild, but Hey, the celery juice would be more hydrating than all the water that I'm using. So it probably will just all even out and like wash yeah. celery. Maybe I'll just stop washing it. I don't know. So my tip, what I have, so when I travel, I celery juice on the road. I actually have a little travel juicer I bought that only weighs five pounds. That's really great. But I, at home, I have the Omega that I've had for, for years. The, 
I have a deep pot. It's actually the inner lining of an instant pot, like of a five quart instant pot. So it's like a stovetop pot, but it's deep. And I fill that with water and put my celery in cut in half. And that covers the celery and it soaks there. And then every stalk I take out, I wipe off that cleans it. And then I save that when I'm done juicing my celery, I just put all the juicing components in that same water and let it soak in there. And then it naturally rinses off like as it's sitting and you, I just use a little toothbrush that comes with it. And so through the process, I actually use a really tiny amount of water. And then I drain that water to water my plants and that's Ooh. my morning routine, but I, like I don't, I basically made a game cause I was training myself to be able to make it like on the go on the road of like not letting myself use the sink. And I have to say that that system works really well. I think you can adapt it in the van and just have your one little pot of water and you can even use it a couple. I've done it it's gross, but like when I'm working and stuff, I've used the same water a couple days in a row <laughs> and there's little, you know, celery strands and stuff that are in there, but you can get by. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. some of those collapsible buckets and stuff too. So I think I will just take it on as a challenge because I like having my juice and I like, I have an assistant who's here uh, four days a week and as long as I'm home, she can juice for me, which has been really nice. Uh, I know that's not like typical, but just where my life is right now. And, but yeah, I want to know, so how long ago, um, how long has it been since you stopped taking Adderall and where are you now? I would have to like look at a calendar. And how long did it take you to lose 40 pounds? Because I've got like 23. <laughs> it's been a couple years, I would say, since it started coming off. It's been going really slow. I was not doing it wanting to lose weight. It you should know? go slow though. I mean, like one pound yeah. of fat is like this big around. So I mean, that's yeah. a huge deal to lose. I'm telling myself that like we've been indoctrinated. I used to be a personal trainer too. And we were always indoctrinated by like diet culture, right? That says like... And that's why people get hooked into keto too, because you lose so much water so fast, you lose yeah. so muscle and it just comes off so fast that people think that that's normal to lose that much that fast. Even when people switch to a plant-based no oil diet, right? The, which I've posted on those forums and read it before too, where I've told people that I'm gaining weight and they're like, it's just calories in calories out. But like, no, mm -hmm. it's not just that. Cause if you're gaining weight in your healing process, your body will pull toxins out and suspend them in water until your liver is healed enough to be able to like start slowly. And if you have a lot of toxins, which I did, cause I was on medication for two years of some sort or another, Xanax, Adderall, like Visceral, which is an antihistamine for all kinds of like allergic, anti whatever symptoms. Plus I was smoking all that pot that got me put in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Times. Oh man. It takes a while to get all that out and your lymphatic system is involved too. It can, but hopefully they keep going, keeping the fat low. Um, every now and then I have a little bit of cacao, but, um, definitely it's it's such a process and it's true that the healing is linear and it's a big lifestyle change for a lot of people um to switch to the medical medium way of eating um but understanding that the cravings can come from the viruses that are causing your symptoms and if you start the virus and you start feeling better then you tend mm -hmm. to want to eat the things that make you feel really good yeah so it has been since uh February, March, I would say it's been more than around six months without the wow. Adderall. Yeah. So you've seen a really quick turnaround then that's really mm -hmm. encouraging for anybody who's listening. Yeah. The, it, it was very fast. And I think a lot of the things that are 
uh, a lot of these symptoms, like I said, it's a holistic system that when you're feeding the, the virus, the viruses, they are releasing toxins and those cause severe brain fog. And so a lot of my spiraling now, when I was getting really bad, you know, a good chunk of it was the metal. And I think on the pills, a lot of that was more metal. And I definitely felt similar to how I did five years ago, but um, a lot of that kind of a lack of control over my, my ability to like kind of coherently be a present member in my own life was from the fog of eating those foods. And so that transformation of stopping that and immediately focusing on, and, you know, going radically sober was a big part of that too. Cause I was smoke and it's been a few years since I was daily, daily pot use, but that was a big part of my life because it's, you know, it's quote healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the natural All way lies. to go. I, I didn't take sleeping pills. I smoked pot every night before sleep. And I went, you know, smoking every single day from a really, really early age. And you know, that pot has heavy metals in it too. <laughs> like the, that smoke is heavy metals and you're just, um, <laughs> you are, you're not serving yourself. And it's so hard to like, when you're talking about India, I mean, obviously I'm doing this cleanse right now. So, <laughs> so all food sounds really good when we talk about it. Like I cannot wait to have a steamed potato this week. But, um, but when you're talking about Indian food, I'm like, Oh, like that's something I grew up eating. I love it. Like, I'm like, Oh, I want some pakora. I want something fried. Like, but the more knowledge that you expose yourself to, and the more you learn about what these foods are doing to you, the easier it is to say no, like the easier it is to like, look at that oil and understand like that is going to cause inflammation in my body. Like that is, I'm not going to feel great tomorrow. My liver is, is going to be, is going to be falling behind. It's just the awareness of our livers in general is something that I think is so crucial in the books. And that's something that I try to do of just like, even I'm doing it now below the camera, but like putting my hand on my liver and just being like, hi, like you're there. You're like, you're helping me. You're my friend. Like we're, you know, and kind of respecting and loving your body yeah, and loving your body. Even if you're struggling, you know, with weight, I know gaining and losing weight is something, especially as women that we're so like it you know, it's our self-worth in some way. And we like, we see, see less of ourselves and are disappointed in ourselves when we gain weight and finding that love is so hard. And it's going to be, I mean, I feel like I'm going to be struggling with this for the rest of my life, but the indoctrinated, I mean, I grew up with my parents dieting and Mm -hmm. my, it was like the worst thing to be, to be called fat or to, to be fat. Right. It was just like fat phobia is what I grew up having. And I look at pictures of myself when I was, I don't know, 20 pounds lighter than this, 20, 30, even 30 pounds lighter. And I can still remember feeling that I was afraid to be fat or was always trying to slim down or just, you know, exercise. I wouldn't gain weight. Um, I was afraid of it. And now that I've put it on, I'm a lot happier than I was when I was at my skinniest and I was suicidally depressed at the same time and not healthy at all, I can see that it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's a temporary thing. If I'm taking care of myself, my body is currently balancing out right now and it takes time to undo. I didn't get those symptoms overnight. They were brewing for quite some time. And of course the enormous amount of weed that I was vaping and was unaware of the metals that could be in it, the solvents that could possibly be in the vapor oil and whatnot, even added colors, like who knows what it was doing to my brain. And of course, heating it up. And Anthony says that cannabis makes the brain um, anxious and in crisis mode. 
and it can lead to psychosis, which is exactly what happened to me. It takes time for all of that to heal. And so I'm just being patient. I did buy some bigger clothes recently and I'm cool with it. You know, I think being in the van and being more active and getting out more and, um, not having as many options because, you know, I live in this big house right now and there's a couch and <laughs> I think just being yeah. active and wanting to get out more is going to help a lot, but it's super encouraging to, to hear from someone who's gone through the weight gain and also is on the other side of the weight loss. Mm. I'm just telling myself like it's consistency and that's the key of any lifestyle change is consistency. It's key to healing. It's a key to weight loss. It's a key to overcoming these symptoms that so many of us have experienced is being consistent with the cleansing process. And I mean, there's even misinformation out there about cleansing, like your body cleanses itself. But the thing is like, if you're feeding your viruses and they're growing and you're stressed, like there's things that you can help with. And that's what we're doing. And you're right about the liver. I mean, I had no idea that liver had as many functions as it did until I read liver rescue. And I've been meaning to reread that because that's the one that talks about like the healing of the liver and the the rules that it has and helping heal the rest of the body and creating the enzymes and the hormones and to balance everything out. And so it's not just like, Oh, your thyroid is just struggling right now. Like, no, your liver and your adrenals too. Like everything is helping it out. And once everything is not stress anymore. Like everything is going to start. And and you said that you're on your third in a row. I haven't even been able to finish. One. <laughs> They're so hard. Are you doing the advanced three, six, nine? Or the- I'm doing the advanced. Yeah. Well, I've never even been able to finish one simplified. Like it's just, it's too hard for me. Like right now I say it right yeah. now. Cause it's just, it's easier for me to eat like none of the no foods and to eat low fat. And I'm seeing results doing that. And so at some point, I think maybe when I'm in the van, I'll probably be easier to um, eat mostly fruit and like raw stuff because I don't mm-hmm. have to cook it. It's simpler, but I just get so hungry and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Gotta eat that apple. Yeah. The, I have been coping by just continually eating, like you making sure that like, we're all like having an apple, having this. What has helped me, which I'm so blessed, is that my partner is doing it with me. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So is he helping so he, me with prep too? Because that's the big thing. Yeah. Like prep and so he has been making the, because you have to have two 32 ounce glasses of celery juice. So he has been making the morning juice and then I'll like take over for the day stuff. And then we have dinner together. And it's just having that buddy, having someone doing it with you goes a long way. So even if it's somebody who's online, I think just having someone holding you accountable and like also being excited for you and like, oh, you're doing great it is really nice. But he, this, so this round of like me finding medical medium and like listening to books and, you know, him hearing about it from the back all this time, I wasn't pushing it on him, but I was kind of just waiting. And he's always been health curious and kind of in all these crazy journeys with me, like, you know, just moving in with me. I live like in a no chemical house. Like the only thing you're allowed to clean with is vinegar. And so you, you understand and you learn really quick kind of what that experience is like and how to live that like that. So he's been open to all of these things, but when he started listening to the books he and he listened to the first book, it, it opened his mind and his view. And now he's listening to the brain saver books. He's on his second book and that's a big one. And he's just, he's doing the audiobook, So I think it's going to take some time, but he joined me on this cleanse. And one of the reasons why he was starting is that he was recently diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. He had Ooh, good time to start. Like, 
Yeah. So like prematurely, like he started having pain in his finger and it got worse. It got worse. And it's a finger that, you know, he uses typing and in his day-to-day life and he thought he injured it and it wasn't healing. So he went to a doctor a few months back and was like, Hey doc, I think I might've like broken my finger without realizing it. Like what's going on here. And the doctor was like, Oh no, no, no. Like you have arthritis. These are bone spurs. Um, and this is permanent and this is only going to continue to get worse. And when the pain gets so excruciating, what we'll do is we'll cut that finger open and we'll fuse that joint. So That sounds horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. It was horrifying. And it was incredibly depressing to come home from the doctor. Like that was like a big moment from him of like, oh my God. And you know, when I say excruciating, your your fingers are so sensitive. We remember as a kid when we get like our finger stabbed and that little drop of blood. And then the whole day you'd be like, I can't do anything. Like holding your finger out with your boo-boo because our fingers are so sensitive. It's where we have the the most nerve endings. This is how we experience the world. And to have that taken away from you, like anyone who has hand injuries or like have lost their hand and have phantom pains. Like it's, you know, such a struggle. And my heart goes out to them, just like seeing somebody experience this on, you know, one finger was really bad. And another one was worse. It was not as worse, but was progressing towards that way. And I would accidentally grab his hand or like, you know, be handing him something. And like, you know, you, you accidentally grab someone's finger and he would, it would be like, you know, kicking a man in the nuts. Like he would just see stars and like drop what he was holding. It was so excruciating. And so was very interested in this, reading more about it, learning about his body. He keeps on talking about how his blood is sludge and his liver is asleep and, you know, making fun of the state of his body. And last week in the middle of our second round, he was like, you know, my finger doesn't really hurt as much. And he is now, it's still like tender, but it's not excruciating. Like there's a significant difference and it's revelatory. Like, oh my gosh, this is really working. And that is just from somebody who eats generally good. He doesn't super avoid no foods, but he started this cleanse. And so he spent 14 days of his life, I would say before this happened of like really committing to his health and eliminating things and had a huge transformation in his body, a physical, like a physical thing. And I think that's just a testament to how much this stuff really works for anyone who's doubting it or on the fence, you really can impact your life and make a huge difference. The I'm so excited about this. And I'm so excited to see how much that progresses because even within, you know, the, the communities and like people who are healing bone spurs, aren't something that come up. We think of them as so permanent. And so the fact that the pain was lessening and the nerves were healing or whatever that inflammation was, has gotten better is so exciting, but having a partner through this three, six, nine makes a huge difference because it, it isn't, it isn't easy, but I will say you are capable of it. You've done a lot in your life. You could definitely get through nine days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know I can. And at, at some point I know I'm going to just do it. In fact, maybe even before I leave um, for my trip, I'll, I'll do it. Just at least yeah. the simplified one. They, they say like, if it's really hard for you to try to do the simplified one. And that's <laughs> what I've started with where I've done the simplified and I get to like day five and I'm just like, I'm over it. Like I just get yeah. bored. And I think that is, I, I think with the new awareness that I've had recently in the last couple, like maybe in the mo- last month that I seek pleasure from food, mm-hmm. stop doing that. Cause that probably contributed to weight gain as well. It didn't help. I know that, um, seeking pleasure from food 
is probably why it's been so hard for me to do the cleanse yeah. because I really like to enjoy what I eat. And, but if I'm enjoying everything else in my life and food is the fuel and I'm cleansing and I, I recently bought a Nintendo switch, so that might help distract me. <laughs> um, maybe that's what I just needed something like to distract me. Like I was just bored. Um, but I'm going to be a lot less bored in the near future, I think. So it'd be a good time to try it again. And, and yeah, you know, with the van, you literally just go in the grocery store and you just bring it to your car. You don't have to, because I was also hung up on, I guess it's, it's just a symptom that I am probably still dealing with that just to get in the car, drive to the grocery store, load all that stuff in the car, bring it home, take it out of the car, put it away or wash it all. I like to prep it. Yeah. But I like your hack of like soaking the celery. Like, do you do it overnight or how long do you soak it? No, in the morning, like fill it with hot water, cut the celery, throw it in, like do whatever else I need to do in the morning, come back to it. And it's there and everything's been hydrated. So the dirt just comes off the chemicals. I feel like, I feel like the chemicals come off whatever it's supposed to. And then as I take the celery out, I wipe each one as I'm putting it in the juicer. So it's just part of the the process, but it's pretty easy. And that hot water is then just what you put the juicer stuff in. I think it's just that little pot. It's like a little hack to make it easier. And I will yeah. say that the advanced 369 personally, I think is easier than the simplified because it's so regimented that you don't have as much personal choice. You don't have the luxury That's of being need. bored. I didn't want to pick stuff and then have to make it all. Yeah. It's, it's, the advanced is harder to stick to, but it's simpler to make. And that's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> and that the, the recipes, like the, I mean, you can experiment with spices and do different things. Like, you know, one of the recipes is a spinach soup where you're just putting things in the Vitamix, like spinach, cucumber, tomatoes, celery. Yeah, I like the spinach soup. I like to yeah. drink it too. I don't use yeah. a spoon. I just drink it like a smoothie. So I'll like leave it in the blender just long enough to make it a little warm. But also like one day I did like Indian spices and in last night I did Mexican spices to kind of make it a little bit more exciting and a treat. One of the dishes are the, is a cauliflower. It's like a cauliflower salad that you can have in lettuce wraps. And that one's really fun because it's like your hands on and you can leave things cut or like unchopped or, you know, and just kind of like pile it in yourself. So that was kind of fun, but having the regimen of like, okay, these are the four dinners I can choose from. And I know what I'm eating during the day has been really nice. And I think making a ritual, my liver, I feel like anyone who's listening to this, who's not like in the medical medium world or like, what are all these words these people are using? But one of the things that you uh, have during the day is called the liver rescue smoothie. And that is pitaya and blueberries. And it's my favorite of the day. And I'll have it as a bowl and I squeeze a date lady date syrup over it as like a little treat, which is technically not on the cleanse. But I'm like, yeah, hey, you can have dates. I can dates have yeah. Syrup. Yeah. Um, and like sit with like my little bowl and my little spoon and like enjoy that during the day. And like it is food is pleasure. That's my treat. And I'm like, that's my favorite meal. I can't wait to have it. I'm so excited to do that. And that makes like the cleanse more manageable to just like get excited about these things and, and like kind of find the fun ways to mix them up. And I don't know, it's gotten me this far, Whew. but now <laughs> mindset, mindset is yeah. everything. And, and even when I get tired of make, making all my tinctures, cause I'm like big on my tinctures and supplements. I probably have like 30 different tinctures that I'm taking right now. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, like I do two at a time. Right. I, I put mm -hmm. them two 16 ounce ball jars and I just put all my tinctures for both doses at the same time. And I fill it up with 
like dandelion tea or water. And then I put one in the fridge and drink the other oh, one with my supplements. That's really like, smart. I have to start doing that. And I also pull out all my supplements for two weeks at the same time. So I got a bunch of spice, empty spice jars, and I put two weeks of vitamins for AM and two weeks of vitamins for PM. And you don't have to do two weeks. You could do like one week or whatever. And then I have like my vitamins or my supplements, I should say, um, set apart um, for two weeks. But yeah, well, this has been really good. We're going to we're gonna wrap it up here. I think I'd love to have you back on the show at another time to get an update from you. Um, yeah. I'll probably share this in the ADHD women because I, I have in my post history on my Reddit account, you can go and find something where I posted in the ADHD women forum. And I was like, are you all my people? I was looking for that like I, validation and I have all my symptoms of ADHD that mm -hmm. I've been experiencing. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like ADHD. You know, and I felt so <laughs> validated and seen and heard. And, and I've been thinking about going back in there and saying, Hey guys, like I've seen, a, I'm not on Adderall. Like I still have a ton of Adderall that I got filled last year that I never took. And I was at a point where I was taking it every once in a while. Um, but now I'm like, I don't want to, because it's, it sets back, I pay for it every time. Like I can't sleep that night and taking half a Xanax. I don't want to do that. So I'm thinking about just tossing it all out, um, which I feel like people who are on the meds would be like, don't do that. Like it's good money and it's shortage or whatever, but like you got to do what's right for me. But yeah, this has been amazing and really motivating to speak with you and to hear about your journey and the resolution and healing of your symptoms and to see like you guys are listening to this on audio. You can't see how beautiful your skin is, like your anti-aging <laughs> weird stuff is working, but also like you're glowing from the inside out because you're feeding yourself the stuff that literally makes you glow and hydrates you. So that's super motivating to, to see somebody that I want to, I want to emulate in your passion for like following the protocols. This is hard. Like it, it could be hard if you lived a long life with bad habits, a life, a, a long time with bad habits that have contributed to your we have like that emotional connection to those habits and like, I love cacao and I like mud water. I've never been a coffee drinker, but a friend of mine last year got me into cacao and I have a bunch of those little cacao discs, the ceremonial cacao. And, mm. but I feel it now that I'm so sensitive to anything remotely related to caffeine, even if it's not technically caffeine, when I drink it, I'm like, I feel it like, and I just, I feel Adderall differently. Even if I would only take half of a 10 milligram, like literally five milligrams, I'm like, I don't like the way this feels in my body. So like that awareness is growing. I know I'm healing and I'm taking more steps. And, um, I think, uh, you've encouraged me to try the, the three, six, nine cleanse mm -hmm. and the advanced one. I was always a little scared of it, but you make, it makes sense for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to test it out. And especially with your water saving technique, like that was like universe given, like, <laughs> <laughs> given like because i was like i can't do the juicer in the van because it takes so much water but like soaking stuff and then just like wiping it out even with like a vinegar spray is such mm -hmm. a hack and I, yeah. I have the nama 2 juicer which i love um it's an alternative that i guess it's newer than the omega but i was doing research and i loved the nama 2 and i and i really do love it it gets so much juice out of the celery like way more than my breville did but mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been awesome, Saja. I'm really glad to have met you, and I and I hope I can come visit you in the Catskills in my van. Yeah, maybe, maybe not in the winter, but um, <laughs> not in the winter. You <laughs> at some point I know I'll be up there because I've seen it on TV, and and I want to I want to visit it. So I'd love to meet you in person. Yeah. This was so great. It was such it was so lovely to talk to you, and I'm so happy. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'm really excited to talk to you after you this. I mean. The background behind you is gorgeous, but it'll be exciting to see you from a van. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're ever in Winter Park area too, um, I don't know how often you travel, but yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Misdiagnosed Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you know someone else out there who'd benefit from what we share on this show, please don't hesitate to share this episode with them.